Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello, and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author, and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. I get it. It's not always easy, but as you know by now, we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Well, here's some troubling news. For many years, research has shown that non-parents are happier than parents. In today's world, where many parents are often shuttling kids from one destination to another, coping with high anxiety around school, sports, college, their children's friends, their children's interests, screen time, keeping their children safe, and perhaps also trying to keep up with the Joneses too, there seems to be a happiness gap between childless adults and those who have children. This is not what we had imagined when we pictured family life, is it? So the question is, is it possible to change our families and our families' lives so that they are full of joy? This is the question my next guest has been asking herself. Five years of editing the Motherload column for the New York Times taught KJ Delantonia this. Family can be a source of joy, not stress. Her reporting and research on parental happiness led to her new forthcoming book, How to Be a Happier Parent, which is available in August of 2018. She writes regularly on the personal and policy aspects of parenthood for the New York Times and other publications and sends out a weekly tiny letter on being a happier parent, even when she's not, which is at tinyurl.com slash follow KJ, and that will be in the show notes of this podcast. She lives in New Hampshire with her husband, four children, and assorted horses, chickens, dogs, and cats. So we are so thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome, KJ, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, me too. Me too. And after reading the intro to your book, I couldn't be more excited. So before we launch into the strategies on how to be a happier parent, can you please tell us what gets you up in the morning and what prompted your work in the area of parenting and happiness? Ah, well, what gets me up in the morning is a, is, a funny, is a funny question because the next chapter of the book, which you have not yet seen, is on mornings. And the answer to what gets me up in the morning for a long time was nothing because I don't like morning. And it really, uh, we had, mornings was like one of my biggest challenges as a parent. And it is the first chapter of the book because mornings comes first in our day and because mornings were really hard. Yes. Um, and the... There's all kinds of really great advice in there from other parents and from me about what's good in the morning and what's what's not. But what gets me up in the morning is not what I would have thought, and it's not really duplicable, but it's that we have um, all these animals mm. to care for. And I did discover that the one thing that makes me put my feet on the floor instead of hitting the snooze button is knowing that these guys are, are out there and they can't um, they can't do it for themselves. Exactly. So that turned out to be my 
you know, every everything else I would just be like, oh, geez, kid, go turn on the TV and pour yourself some Fruit Loops. Um, <laughs> but the animals can't do that. So, uh, and what was the second? And part the, of the second question? question is, what prompted your work in the area of parents and happiness? Out of all oh. things, you could have written about anything. Why this topic? Well, um, you said in your introduction that parents are are less happy than non-parents. And that was absolutely part of it. Although I want to say that when, when that research is defining happiness in a pretty specific way. So parents are parents report being less happy on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. If you measure things like like life satisfaction or um, feelings of um, competency or feelings of of sort of joy and you say it differently. Sometimes people get different results, but on a day-to-day level, here we are. And, and, you know, we're saying we'd rather do laundry than spend time with our kids. What is up with that? I, and, and I was like, I don't want other people to be saying it. And I sure don't want me to be feeling it. Right. So I started to think, you know, what is up with this? And I read Jennifer Senior's great book, All Joy and No Fun. And Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I remember when her article came out and she's a friend and Got to the end of the book, which I loved. It was so interesting and went, well, but, 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 but how do I find the joy? Yes. I emailed her. I was like, you didn't tell me how to fix it. And she's like, I know. <laughs> but, you know, she's so, she, and, and she does. There's great stuff in the, the book. But I wanted the practical, like, right. how do I fix this? You know, how do I fix the fact that when my two daughters fight, I feel miserable? Yes. How do I fix the fact that when my son um, is disappointed by something I too like have sort of absorbed his emotion. How do I refine my own happiness so that we can all, um, be, when parents are happier, families are happier and kids are happier. That's mm. just the way. So we got to get that going. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're, you're speaking to so many people. I just remember when I was reading the intro to your book, I felt like you were you were speaking to me, you had like read a story of my life and sort of just shoved it in there uh, to, to alert our audience. You said, I wanted to like it, but it wasn't working out that way. The workload was overwhelming from the laundry to the dishes to the cooking. The children were sometimes cute, but often actively unpleasant. They fought with one another and with me. They refused to do the simplest of chores. They started from a baseline of entitlement and seemed to go downhill from there. And I was like, (laughs) yes, yes. So I'm sure we have a lot of nodding heads out there. And and you speak so so eloquently and just so simply. And it, it, it just spoke to me. So I'm curious about, out of everything you researched from your interviews, what was the number one thing parents name when when they were asked, what is it about parenting that doesn't make you happy? Um, flat out, surprise to me, discipline. Mm-hmm. Just right. anything to do with discipline. So there was a, there were a variety. And this was um, I did a, a thousand person survey that was uh you know, I worked with a Fordham researcher to do this and we, um, you know, it, it's, it's academically sound and we had what this one open-ended question, which was tell me what, you know, so it wasn't, 
we didn't feed this. We right. didn't say, is it discipline? Right. Or perhaps lollipop. <laughs> you you got to read A, B, C, or D. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, rainbows, unicorn poop. Or, <laughs> no, we, we left it open. And there were all these answers that, that were um, uh, telling, you know, getting them to do things they don't want to do, dealing with them when they've misbehaved. Right. And when, when you boiled them all down, that was what it came right, came down to was, was discipline. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing that makes us unhappy as a, as an overarching picture. And then when you start talking about like what points in your day are hardest, yeah. uh, you, you get a variety of answers. Um, my top three are or mornings, homework, and siblings. I thought you were going to be like yeah. mornings, afternoons, and evenings. Yeah. <laughs> and the nights aren't great either. No. So, so I, I went through and I, I asked a lot of parents that question. And then that's how I came up with the nine sort of challenging, the yeah. nine challenges that make up the chapters of the book. Screen time, chores, um, vacations and holidays. Anyway. I love vacations and holidays. It sounds delightful. It does. It sounds delightful, but in actuality, going on a family vacation often feels like a trip. So it's it's not surprising that you wound up putting putting that into your book as as one of the biggest challenging challenges. That's one of the reasons it's challenging is because it's supposed to be it's fun. Supposed to be fun. I'm remembering sitting on the couch with my husband before kids. It was so quiet. My dog was sort of curled up on the ottoman. There was a fire going. We were reading books. I remember just feeling so peaceful and, and sort of smiling and, and thinking, oh my goodness, this is just what a beautiful life. And then as we were, we adopted both of our kids. So before we, you know, right before we adopted my first child, uh, you know, you're thinking about the enhancements it's going to make in your life and how amazing it's going to be and how they're going to be, you know, playing in the corner and you're taking them to the park and you have all these incredible views of what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. So is the reality that happens on that day-to-day -day basis, is is the reality what's sort of crashing in? Is it disappointment? Is it surprise? What did you find? Well, I think that there is there is some of that. I mean, realistically, this is it is it's hard to to be a parent. It's hard to, you know, put your heart into something that now walks around out in the world and sometimes she tells you it hates you. Um, it's it's hard to do the things that we need to do as parents. It's hard to, you know, it's hard enough to get our, ourselves out the door in the morning, but suddenly now we have to get somebody else that doesn't necessarily want to go and is going to poop their diaper the minute you put them in their car seat. They sure. got to go too. Um, you know, so so there are there are sort of overtly hard things. And then there are the things, well, then there are the challenges that society presents us with by not being we are not really a society that offers much support to parents. You we expect right. parents to find that support in their families or in themselves or in people that they pay. We, it's just not, it's just not, you know, we talk a good game about families, but we don't, we don't really do it. Um, and then there's the stuff we bring on ourselves. We, especially um, our generation of parents and the, and the two around us in some ways as well. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're Gen X, but I, this, I, 
the parent generation at the moment stretches from boomer to millennial and it's a unit, you know, we are all in that sort of rug rat race of, I don't, I can't really do this the way that my parents did because so much is different Mm -hmm. and so much of what the other people around me are doing is different. And I, you know, don't know what to do within myself. And when I look around, the things that I do as a result of that are not making me happy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, of course, not everybody feels unhappy at parenting. So can you help us understand what is it that we should be striving for here? And what specifically do happier parents do differently? Absolutely. You know, and one of the fun things about writing this is that I, um, I talked to so many parents. I mean, I've talked to so many parents in the, in the course of my research and my work overall as a journalist, but specifically for this, and almost everybody had something that they were, you know, that people typically feel happy in the way that it's defined by social researchers when they feel competent and, um, and sort of rewarded and, Mm -hmm. and just able, they feel like they, they know what they're doing and they're, and they're able to do it. They're getting it done. So people would be like, well, no, mornings are cool for me. Now, on the other hand, chores. (laughs) uh -uh. So most of us are happy about some things and not happy about others. Um, As a general rule, what happier parents do there, there's four things. And I've actually got a note to, to, to for this because I want to make sure I get it right. I, I, I love that. So Notes much. are totally fine. Yeah, no, so no ha- shame there. No shame. No shame. So happier parents, um, typically they're more involved when their kids are younger, but they become gradually less involved as their kids grow older and more capable. Mm-hmm. Happier parents typically have their own thing going. It might be a career, it might be a passion, it might be a hobby, it might just, you know, it it could be anything, but they have something that is theirs that they've either started after their kids were born or continued from before their kids were born that is a priority for them outside of their family life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Happier parents know the difference between things that are their kids' problems and things that are their problems. Mm. And the last thing that happier parents, and I'd love to come back to that one. Yeah, we should. We should. (laughs) The last thing that happier parents um, do, and this is a really cool neurological thing, is that they know how to soak in those good moments. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned how you were sitting on the couch with your husband in front of the fire with the dog, and you you absorbed that. Mm -hmm. You let that soak into your soul. And once when you do that with good moments and they happen with our families they do, absolutely they do, they do. when you take a minute to to feel that to go oh look everything is fine it doesn't have to be glorious you know oh, look we're driving in the car and you know one kid's working a crossword puzzle and the other one's playing a video game but everybody is calm mm-hmm. and we're we're happy and this is this feels good and when you build those up in your brain when you teach your brain to pay attention to those things as opposed to just the bad things you get this reservoir of support that that helps you when you know when they're screaming and you've pulled over to the side of the road and gotten out of the car because you can't take it anymore not that i have ever done that in any oh gosh time. absolutely no none of us have ever done that <laughs> I actually interviewed Dr. Laura Markham, who does Peaceful Parenting, and I just mm-hmm. did, uh, we recently also did a, a second uh, 
second interview with her uh, because of this new workbook she has out. And you know, she was talking about that exact scenario. She's like, actually, I hope you'll pull over because it's, <laughs> it's actually not safe to drive that way, <laughs> you know, when you're so pissed off and your kids are, you know, going crazy and it sends a message to them. So <laughs> I think my, my weekly email <laughs> two weeks ago or three weeks ago was me saying, you know, I, uh, this is what they were doing. And I pulled over and I got out of the car and I walked home. Oh. Now, my kids are, are 11, yeah. 12 and 13. Right. So we're on the way to school. We're at the we're, we're out on our dirt road. So well, we're not far, but our driveway is probably a quarter mile long. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I walked home. So mm-hmm. that's that's OK. And one of my kids got out and hitched herself a ride to school. <laughs> which was a little embarrassing. And the others followed me home and I took them to school later. But Nice, nice. We live in, I mean, I should say, for listeners' sake, we live in a town of 1,600 people. She went to school with, like, you know, our neighbors that live behind right. us around the corner. And he texted me and was like, is it okay if I take your kid to school? And I was like, he said, I saw you walking down the road. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. <laughs> you know what? Everybody's been there. So I, I, and it's, it's, it's one of those moments where you either need to support and acknowledge or you just need to lie to yourself that that would never happen to you. And I think most people are like, yeah, I get it. So I'm there with you. Let's come back to that area that you, you said we needed to come back to, which is talking about how you know your kids' troubles are different from your own. And let's kind of dive into that a little bit more. I mean, what what is it about our kids and what they're going through that can bring out the side of us, our anxiety, our frustration, and make us act in ways that we would never act if we just took the moment to say, how do I want to parent this particular situation and how can I be most helpful? So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Well, there are kind of two pieces to what's your kid's problem and what's your problem. There's, there's the question of um, what we do when things are going wrong for their, our kids, whether we sail in and help or whether we're able to guide and facilitate. And then there's also the question of our emotional involvement. Um, You know, one of my, there are nine mantras for happier parents in my book, and actually I think there are 10 now. Um, One of them is you can be happy when your children are not. Mm. And you really, you can be, you can, you can empathize, uh, you can be, you know, present and understand that there are things that are challenging them at, at this moment. But one of the glorious benefits of being an adult is that you know that there is always another Thomas train, there is always another balloon. There's always another sports team. Honestly, there's another college. You know, it's, it's just true. And and you know that that things will, it's, in general, in the world, all things work together for things to work out. Right, or if, if they don't, we look back and we go and we think it was fine. So, you know, we fool ourselves, whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, so there are these sort of Selectively remembering. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Surely that must have been for the best because everything is good now. That's right. If if that didn't happen, we might not be here today doing Always this true. fabulous I, thing. That's you know that is that is a weirdness of life. It is a weirdness of life, 
And so it, it is important then to step back and be able to look at the situation as something that's happening to somebody you love, love and but it's it's not your particular issue. So you can be there as a support system. You can be there as a sounding board. You can empathize and hug and do all those wonderful supportive things. But that doesn't mean that you need to take on the entire problem as your own and, you know, in most cases, we don't need to fight the, their fight for them. Right. So, and that's both good for us and good for them. It's good for us to, to even to lean back and, and, you know, there are often good, there's often some good in that moment as a parent, when your kid has come to you or the problem or things are going wrong. Um, you can appreciate that they're talking to you about something going wrong. You can appreciate that you are able to see that, you know, mm. there's there's going to be something after this friendship crisis for your child. Um, you can sort of, uh, you know, revel in the, that sense of empathy and that feeling that you're together in something. That's that's good for you. But it's also good for our kids if they can see that their emotions are separate from ours mm -hmm. because you don't want to give your kid the burden of keeping you happy. Mm. Mm. Um, like that. Your child, yeah. If your child has a, a sorrow if, or a, a broken leg or a miserable friendship and they feel like when they come to you, you take that in. There's a couple of things that happens for your child there. First of all, they don't really own their emotion anymore. Mm. Secondly, all right, well, now my mom's unhappy, so maybe I shouldn't tell her about this next time. Right. Or maybe I should fake feeling better so she can feel better too. Right. Um, you know, and finally, there are times in our lives when things happen to us that make us unhappy. And we shouldn't be like, you know, we got to let our kids be miserable sometimes. Um, I, I've I've had this happen to me in the context of having a kid with a broken bone. And what's what's funny is that another mother told me a story that was so similar to mine the other night where she was driving her son home and he's broken his leg and his hockey season is probably over. And she's like, well, at least it's not your senior year and, <laughs> and it could be a worse break. And she's sort of offering up all this stuff. And he's like, Mom, I know. Can you just let me feel like this sucks for a while? Oh. And I was like that. And the funny thing, I, ha I mean, I had that same experience with my child when he was 11 and broke his child leg, also playing hockey. Hockey's a great sport. Most of my, I have three kids. Only one of them's broken his, I have four kids, sorry. Only one of them's broken his leg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> twice. Twice, okay. <laughs> anyway, you, you gotta, you gotta let them have their own emotions yes. and don't take them on for yourself. It's not good for you or them. Right. It actually can discount how they're feeling in that moment because it says how you're feeling is kind of wrong because look mm -hmm. at all these other ways to look at the situation. And you wouldn't want that to happen to you either. I mean, if we think about it flipped and, you know, you're you're frustrated with a particular situation that's going on in your life in your 40s and your 50s and your 30s. It's and, like that whole thing where you're like, I don't want your help. I just want you to listen yeah, to me. Yes. Could you just listen? And of course, you know, we often need to prompt people on on that because when people love us, they want to fix things. That's normal. Right. Yeah, that's yep. normal, of course. But as a person, we need to know that that may not be the best course of action in that moment. And if you're unsure, you can always ask, you know, 
how can I best support you in this situation? Because right. this is what I feel like doing, but I don't know yeah. that that's the right thing for Are you. Are you right ready now. to hear the ways in which this isn't so bad? Or should we just stick to this is really terrible for <laughs> exactly, a while? Exactly. Um, that's yeah. an important piece of advice right there. Our kids <laughs> don't know to say, I don't want you to fix this right now. I just want you to be there. Right. So we really have to be on top of that for ourselves. That's right. That's right. And and you know what? Even adults don't always know to, to yeah. say something like that. So that is, if, if there's nothing else we come away with, I think that's really an important piece of advice right there. So that kind of brings us back to that other question yeah. of... Um, when is it your kid's problem and, and when is it your problem? So I was thinking about that the other day just as I was jotting that note down. And like, you know, if, you, if you're sending your 10-year-old to Phoenix in an airplane to visit grandma and the plane has to land in Kansas City because of an emergency, that's your problem. <laughs> but if your 20-year-old is flying to Phoenix and the plane has to land in, the, in Kansas City because of an emergency, that's their problem. Mm. So like some things are, you know, if your kid has broken their leg and they're standing in front of you, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, you got to, you got to scoop the kid up and head for the hospital. If your kid has broken their leg and they're unhappy because they can't do PE and they don't know what, like they're miserable at school, that's your, that's their problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like they need to come. I mean, unless they're four. Right, right, right. That's, that's this sort of sliding scale of when you want to be more involved and when you want to be less involved. And when something is a kid's problem, you really want to try to, so this is, I actually did this, this was just yesterday with my, I am, I'm driving my youngest son to his hockey practice and my oldest son's hockey practice is right after. And the hockey rink is a half an hour plus from our house and my oldest son can drive. So I say to my youngest son, I need you, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to sit there for his Mm-hmm. practice because I can't, I've, you know, for various reasons, I couldn't wait in town and I needed to go home and my husband is out of town and he's, I don't, I don't want to wait. I don't sure. have anything to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, get a book or whatever. And mm-hmm. then he thinks about it for a minute. He's like, wait, what if I went home with my friend whose brother is also on my older brother's team and my brother could come get me? And I was like, that's, that'd be fine. Or he said, or what if somebody dropped me off in town? Do you mind if I walk around? No, that'd be fine too. So we get out and we've agreed he's, he's almost 12 and he's just, he's just bought his own cell phone, which is a, a whole different topic of conversation. So he's, <laughs> we'll do that yeah, another so he time. Communicate with me, right? right. And this is new. He's never had this before. So I say, just, you know, make sure Sam, his brother knows what you're doing. And then I text my son and I say, you know, I did, I told you I might, I did leave your brother. You got to get him home. Don't, don't leave him. Mm-hmm. And then I almost, I actually started it. I set up a text with my son, both my sons and the parent of the kid that my son had said maybe he would go home with and started to say, okay, this is okay with me. You can do this. You can do that. This is, and then I went, you know, either they can work this out or he can sit in that hockey rink and mm-hmm. I don't care and I don't need to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I just closed that. I didn't, and then it was like, you know, cause it would have been really easy. We're all sure. looped up. It's sure. no problem. I, I'm just gonna, and if you know, I hope my older son doesn't leave my younger son. But the worst thing that happens if he does, I mean, my younger son knows everyone at this high, even the next town over with the with the hockey rink in it. We just live in a small place where you don't have to worry right. about this. He's got a phone, you know. Right. And when you, when I was 12, I was, you know, trailing around the mall in sure. a big city or taking buses places and getting lost and putting a quarter in a 
payphone. Right, back then. With the yeah. quarter in the payphone. That's right. Yeah. Right. So I just was, okay, really, this is nothing. When I was 12, I was in charge of three other humans, a baby exactly. sack, three kids, yeah. Yeah. without mm-hmm. issue. <laughs> I was like, where's that person when I'm parenting? You know, that person who was like, no problem. I'll take care of your three kids and without sure. any incident. Well, where's the parent that will do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. The parents that will, will uh, and then that's become rare for lots and lots and lots of reasons that have to do with uh, society and media and choices and, yeah, all mm-hmm. kinds of things. But, you know, most people won't put a 12-year-old in child in charge of their 6-year-old, their 4-year-old, and their 2-year-old anymore. Right. It's And, and I felt pretty competent at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, and I babysat every single week and, you know, for, for years, same family. So... Yeah. So, you know, on our show, we often talk about challenging conversations we should have with our kids, um, which, of course, is how to talk to kids about anything. So I'm wondering, should we add to our list of important conversations a discussion about our happiness as parents? Or, you know, is that something that we kind of just talk about with our friends and 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 I would say, and if we are supposed to include that conversation, how would you even start that? I don't know that I would say, hello, we're going to talk about my happiness. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think what's important <laughs> is to have this be a part of your life with your kids, to have them be aware that you have, I mean, this is another of my um this was another of the, the things that happier parents do well. You have their own thing and you don't put your kids first unless they're bleeding. Mm, mm. Um, and your kids should know that. Um, you know, you should have things that you will choose, even if it is inconvenient for them that you have now left them at the hockey rink to wait for their brother mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and they should know that it isn't always, well, it's because I have to work. Sometimes it's, because I um, have arranged a horseback ride with a friend, and you're gonna you're gonna wait. Mm-hmm. Mm. I this is it's again for a lot of us it's a generational thing. I definitely remember spending lots of time cooling my heels while my parents did fun stuff. Right. That I didn't get to do um, either with a babysitter or just I remember wandering around an indoor tennis facility because both my parents played tennis, like in the curtains that separated the the tennis courts picking up the balls just i mean bored out of my gourd right <laughs> um i must have forgotten a book i don't know but anyway that's that's so i feel like that's not so much a conversation as it is an ongoing thing but sometimes it is a conversation sometimes you know your kids going to be like you know but you could pick me up at school if you weren't Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, doing that, you, that's not fair. Right. And you just have to be like, hmm, yeah, you know, I could, but I've got these plans and those are my plans. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's okay for you to have plans that make you, that bring you your own separate and individual. It's not just okay. It's important. I mean, what are you, are you raising your kids with the idea that they will be slaves to their kids? Right. Right. Oh, so important. That's we are not the model. The 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's someday when your son is out there and, you know, he's with you and the two of you are enjoying a coffee and all of a sudden he's like, oh, you know, I can't let my 17 year old wait another second. Mm-hmm. Don't you want him to be able to let a 17 year old wait another exactly. second? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good perspective taking exercise. You know, yeah. if your child was in the same situation as a parent, what would you advise them to do? Or what would you hope that they did in that scenario? Because we need to model it for them and make sure and they know another, what the right thing is to do. Yeah. And that's another interesting piece that came out of my research um, was I asked parents if they'd like their kids to have the same lives as they have. Mm. And generally, the parents who were, this isn't like, it's just like, it's kind of a dull moment. It's not some mm-hmm. shock. But parents who were happier with their own lives, parents who felt good about what they were doing, they wanted their kids to have their lives. Right. right. If they weren't, then then they didn't. And if, if you're, you know, if, let's have the lives we want our kids to have, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, don't, don't just try to train them up to have it. You you get to have it. Right. Right. I worry that we don't make adulting look good. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny. My, one of my best friends says, you have to be able to tell your kids, I matter in equal measure. And I I think about that often. I've really let that sort of absorb into my brain. My daughter said to me uh, just this morning, she said, uh, last week for gymnastics, I had to, I had the worst ponytail because daddy had to do it. <laughs> You know, where, where were you? You were, you were, you were getting your hair done, you know? And I was like, yeah, like I also need to get my hair cut and, you know, I like to get my hair done too. Um, and you know, just like you like to get your hair cut and, and, you know, go do this or that, like, this is, this is part of what we do as, um, as humans, we, we get to take care of ourselves in those ways. And I really enjoy it. Um, and it happened to coincide at the same time as you going to your gymnastics lesson. And yes, your daddy was able to take you and perhaps your ponytail wasn't as cleanly done as you would have liked, but it, it was doable. It was fine. You know, well, and this you is where with it. This is where I'm going to say something. I mean, this is my controversial big idea here that I want everybody to, to take in. I'll take it. Okay. It's not that you matter in equal measure to your kids. Sometimes you matter more. Hmm. You are the grown-up. You can do things they cannot. You can take care of them. You can earn money. You can, um, you can do things in the world that they can't do yet. So sometimes your needs are more important than theirs. That's part of the deal when you're little. That's part of why we want to grow up and get big, right? So we can make our own choices and be, you know, at, at the top of the hierarchy. And I don't, I'm not proposing that, that we, we, you know, leave them starving and bored and, in, uh, you know, but really, if you got, if you're looking at, I need a haircut, my daughter needs a haircut, uh, you know, you're maybe, maybe you have a job interview. Mm-hmm. You need that haircut more than your daughter needs that haircut. It's right. just, it, that's that's something we're we're losing, and mm-hmm. I think our parents wouldn't have hesitated. And certainly, parents in generations before them, they didn't love their kids any less. It wasn't any less important to them. But on a practical level, you know, grown ups can do some useful stuff. Mm-hmm. 
that we need to get done. And I think we we have gone to, you know, many cases, we've gone to the opposite side. You know, how Mm -hmm. can we make sure our children are happy? How do we make sure that they are in the calmest, most comfortable state and it can backfire? Uh, Absolutely. This is why happier parents have happier families and happier kids. Mm -hmm. Kids don't want to be first. I mean, you know, sure, in the immediate moment, they do. But really, it is comforting to know that, you know, you fit in as part of a group that you are important and others are important and that you, you know, have something to contribute, but that, 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 you know, there's this stable other world of your parents that, that you are a part of. If you are the, you know, if we teach our kids that their gymnastics practice is more important than you know, our, our job or our going to the hospital to take care of our sick mother mm-hmm. or, or heck, our haircut, then, then we've taught them something that is really not useful for them to know because most of the world is not going to put their gymnastics practice mm-hmm. first. This is a very good point. And I think you're saying something that really needs to seep in to people's psyche right now. What's happening so much of the time now is when we keep putting our children first in every case, and I'm not saying, you know, when they're not, when, when they're hurt, obviously, they come, of course, we have to feed them, we have to clothe them, we have to do all those things. But when we keep putting our kids first before us, it's really making a very strong statement about the privilege of being a child in that case and the and that there's nothing that matters more than their comfort and their happiness in in that they're not right. going through challenge they're not figuring out what to do when they're bored picking up balls or whatever it might be or grabbing a book they they don't ever have to figure those things out and then that compromises their positive development and they also don't have any reason to sort of, you know, I mean, healthy adolescents want to get out of the house. Healthy adolescents need to learn, you know, they, they need to want to separate yes. from us. Yes. So um, that's one of the way, you know, that's one of the reasons that, that kids want to get their driver's license or they, they want to get out and get to college. They want to strive and achieve and build their own adult lives um, mm, is so mm. that they can have more autonomy. Right. If we give them all that autonomy and everything they can possibly want and just, you know, on a silver platter, um, well, then you, then you, you, then you need um, Julie Lifcott Hames's book, mm-hmm. How to Raise a Grown-Up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> how to Raise Amen. an Adult. Yes, How to Raise an Adult. Absolutely. So you mentioned that in the beginning of your book, you talk about the question of how can we change our family and change our family life in order to be more joyful, you know, as a whole in, in, in our parenting. So what would you say are the biggest changes that can be made in our families and in our family life that we can put into play right now in this week today that could help parents who are listening to feel happier? Well, we've had this, this really macro conversation about, um, you know, changing the balance of your family and putting your own needs first mm-hmm. some of the time. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is that. But then there are, there are these little... Yeah, I want to hear the There are also ones. little things. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biggest single thing that a lot of families can do to be happier 
is to get more sleep. Mm-hmm. That's so lame. It has nothing to do with I anything else that we have, com- so we have talked sleep. about. Yeah, sleep's great. Sleep is so important. Um, it changes. It can change every every single chapter in my book of troubles that we have can be improved if you get more sleep and if your kids have the opportunity it's like, to get more sleep. Way, get more sleep before you yeah. close the yeah. chapter. Yes. Yeah. Just, just get more sleep. Okay. That will, that will fix things for everyone. So, you know, that's my, my, um, smallest and simplest piece mm-hmm. of, of, okay. of takeaway. And, and an interesting, just again, because this is random, but you can sell kids on the idea of sleep. Mm-hmm. We talk about sleep in this, um, often we talk about it in a negative way. You have to go to no, sleep. No, that's right. Or stop you reading so you can go sleep. to sleep. I don't want yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah. It, there's research out there that with middle grader, middle, middle schoolers, and also, I actually forget if it's middle graders or middle schoolers, and also with four-year-olds, if you talk to them about the benefits of sleep, mm-hmm. And you, 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 you sort of name, these are the things that will be better for you tomorrow if you've had more hours and more time um, to rest and let your brain cycle and let it sort out everything that's happened today. Tomorrow, you won't feel as much like arguing with your sister. And you're, you know, you if you have it, then you, that's for like the four-year-olds. And, mm-hmm. and sleep is healthy and it helps your body grow. And then for the middle graders, you can honestly, you know, you can talk about people who sleep more um, they have less problems with obesity. They tend to get better grades and have more supportive relationships and all of those. There's a whole lot of things that come with getting more sleep that are important. Right. And kids to like to be in kids. the know. Yes. Yeah. They do. They yeah. like to be and, in the know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those, this is a pure, so there's the research on teaching and then, then they go back and, um, Eight months later, the kids who had the teaching are getting a little more, you know, they're getting about half an hour more sleep on average than the kids who didn't. And on a purely anecdotal note, Mm. I read all this when my kids were about five years younger than they were now. Mm -hmm. And we started in. This is why, you know, it's so important. We put up signs promoting sleep Mm. in their bathrooms. Um, we did, and we always make sure to talk about it. And, you know, I'm so, oh, I get to go to sleep now. It's going to feel so good. I'm yes. so looking forward to going to sleep. Um, and just, again, I, it's, it's been a success for us. Even my 16 year old is, he's so protective of his sleep. Mm-hmm. And that brings me such joy to, to watch that. And it's, you know, this is a study of four. Yes. <laughs> But slightly skewed study but yes time on talking about that as opposed to just presenting it as a a, a, a thing you have to do and b you're you know and i need you to go away from me um mm-hmm. and lay in your bed right um you know so so finding the positives in sleep is is there anything else that you did with your family that you were like this is was life-changing for me and and my family the life, the biggest life-changing thing that I learned from this book had to do with sibling relationships. Oh, please tell us because that's like <laughs> I have a seven and a nine-year-old, and sometimes I'm going to pull my hair out. So I ask like every guest I can, like, but how about the siblings? Like you mentioned the beginning, we were first talking. You're like, you know, and then the kids are yelling in the car at each other, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, they're fighting over the clicker for the television. Somebody's gone too close to them. They touch them with their whatever. I don't even know know what happened, but something silly. They're fighting over the same piece of plastic. 
broken on the ground that must be somebody's. So tell us, what did you do differently or what was what was the change? Um, so we were at a point as I was writing this where two of my children were at such bitter fury with mm-hmm. each other. It was so, I felt like it was biblical. It was mm-hmm. oh going to tear our family apart. It was biblical. Um, wow. It was, it was stunning. Oh, and I love two, it. Yes. At the time, they, um, they shared a bedroom. They went to the same school and they were on the same hockey team. Ooh, that's a lot so, of togetherness. Well, and we live in a small place, yes. so it's hard. You know, some of that was stuff we couldn't, we couldn't right. easily change. Sure. But so... I started, um, I guess the first thing that I found out was that it was not biblical or epic. It was not even unusual that the, the, the bitter Does it feel that fight... way though? Epic, what? it does. It oh, does feel... feel... I, I oh my gosh, I'm tell... certain that nobody else deals with the amount of sibling rivalry that I do. I'm like certain of it. But I know that it's not really true if I just step outside for a moment. Some of it is that I'm an only child, so I didn't have... Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had... Although... You know, I have four kids and there had been squabbling. Certainly, I never expected them to just get along. The level of dislike mm-hmm. and the, the, the way that these two treated each other was so hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I did was to, to talk to a lot of people and learn that really anything short of actually physically injuring each or anything short of what you would call either physical or mental abuse. Right. You know, where like you're going to get counselors. Right. Um, it's actually perfectly normal, way normal, mm-hmm. like like just to be expected. And I felt like everybody else in the world knew this, but but maybe not. No, so then the, no, we need to hear it many times. Yeah, I study so, this stuff, and I still feel like I please tell me again. Yeah. So the second thing that um, changed was that then I started to say, well, okay, what do I do? Because clearly mm-hmm. I need to help these two to work this out, and. Uh, the answer to that was no, no, no you don't. Right, you got to stay out of it. What I needed to do, it's not always stay out of it. So there's, again, it's the same continuum. When kids are little, we need to get in and give them the tools mm-hmm. to, to talk, either to talk something out or to separate. So you're, you're giving them tools. You're not right. fixing. Right. You know, you're, and also you need to make sure that you're hearing both of them. So when they're little, you're saying, all right, you know, I see, I hear Tommy saying that he was building a tower and, and, you know, I hear Lionel saying that, well, Tommy was paying attention to the tower and not me. So I knocked it down and now we're both, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're doing that. And there, uh, my favorite book on this is, um, uh, it's, uh, siblings without rivalry. Yes. Um, yes. Right. And it's, and it's wonderful. And there's yes. another one that's great. It's, um, uh, mom, Jason's breathing on me. Yeah. <laughs> That one is excellent. It might be dad, Jason's breathing on me because it's by a man, but I, I don't remember. So I, I consolidated a lot of the things. I talked to most of these authors. I talked to a lot of parents. And yes. So what I came away with was that there, when, when your kids were older and you feel like you've given them these tools, which I really felt like we had, then either you intervene the minute they're bugging you. It doesn't have anything to do with like what they're doing necessarily, but yeah. the minute it's a problem for you, yeah. you stop. And then regardless of what they're doing, you make them both stop and go away. You don't mm-hmm. get into, you know, whose shirt that is or, 
or anything like that. And, maybe, and, and actually, in some areas, it, 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 this is a really complex topic, but it gets, it's important to, to sort of decide, all right, well, with property rights, how am I going to resolve those in advance? And we just, you know, if, if you own it, even if you haven't ha- touched it in two years, it's still yours. It's right. kind of how we came out on that. But by and large, you say, you know, I trust you guys can work this out. Right. Or, um, you know, if, if you guys can't work this out, I will just take that and you guys can both go to a different place and you can, or, or, or whatever. Or if you can, you leave or you sit in silence and you just, you just don't go in there. Right. And right. the minute, I mean, I, like, the... Of course, they're like, screaming mom at this time, yeah, right? Oh, yeah. You, but you the, like, literally the day that I just decided not to go in there, it started to get better. Mm. Because once they didn't have that ability to come, and I was, you know, I was, like, adjudicating. I was Judge Judy all over the place. And, well, all right, you know, I did buy that shirt for you. Or, um, oh, yeah, well, you went to the bedroom first, so you'll probably get this time, and let's set a timer. And, I mean, I was all over it. And the minute I just started, the minute I stopped, it started to get better mm-hmm. and it slowly I mean it would you know I would hear them arguing for a solid half an hour I would be like you know in my bed in a fetal position <laughs> and then suddenly they'd be baking a cake together right right it, it does switch over right it does it and now it switches over a lot faster but mm-hmm. I will also say that last week we we bent over backwards and we made a lot of changes in the house so that those two didn't have to share a room mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. even though things got a lot better it's really hard to share a bedroom with your exa- you know, They're only a year apart. That's that's my kids and too. Sixteen months apart. Extraordinarily yeah. different. Yes, it is really really hard when they're so close in age. And, so the boys uh, still share a room, but the girls each have their own room for now. And then the difference in family harmony is, it's it's pretty. That's that that helped too. So. Yes, right. And finally breathe but a, lot a little of bit. You can't do even. Even the year, I mean, it was a solid year before we managed to, to pull that off. And it, things were still, were still better. Mm-hmm. 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 Sometimes you just have to share a room and we just don't all have giant houses. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I feel like this is a giant house, but we don't have very many bedrooms. Right. Wow. I don't want to say my house is giant. It's no, great. I get it. I get it. And it's just not always possible. So sometimes you have to cope. So Ooh. give us the your top tip out of... Either everything we've talked about, or perhaps you even met, haven't mentioned it yet, what would you say is your top tip for helping parents to uh, embrace more happiness in their lives? Well, I, I love that you can be happy when your children aren't, and I love don't put them first unless they're bleeding, but the one we didn't talk about is um, what you want now isn't always what you want later. Hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So... Um, your kids are squabbling and you really want them to stop. And you could go in and hand them another balloon because you have one and they're fighting over the one balloon. But maybe you want them to learn to work this out. Mm-hmm. Big picture. Yeah, big picture. Um, your kid is struggling. You know, they don't want to They don't want to bring their clear their plate. Oh, yes. Right. And you get up sure. for like uh, you know, three solid months every day after dinner, they get up and leave their plate. And every day you say, come back, put your slate. It would be so much easier to just put that plate in the dishwasher yourself. Yeah. So much easier. It would be easier, but not the right thing to do. What you want now is not 
what you want later. Mm. So, um, mm, you know, sometimes we just have to suck it up and end. Yes, I come to totally Ask agree him to with put that. Right in the dishwasher again. So. Right, like the socks that are on the floor. So much easier for me to pick them up and just put them in the wash. So easy. And you know, another of my mantras is that you don't have to do this night. You know, you don't have to get it right every time. Right. So once in a while, but we got to be careful with that once in a while, right. especially when it comes to the socks and the dishes, because yes. once in a while segues into every time. It's like Pavlov's it's dog. Yeah, yeah. Somebody else yeah. will do it. it. It happened once. It can happen again. If we get mad enough, sometimes we just do it, right? So that's really important. So give us the resource of the week. Where can we go to find out more about you? And what? tell us again when your book will be out. Give us a little bit of uh, additional information on your resources. Well, you can find me at kjdelantonia.com. And if you click on the resources tab, there are videos, three tips on three minutes, sorry, three tips in three minutes on being happier about um, homework and traveling for kids activities. And these are all most of the time. I mean, we were really pretty macro today. Most of the time I'm pretty, ma- my, you know, I'm pretty micro. Mm-hmm. There's three things you can do. Um, so there's some great resources there. There's a, a wonderful list of being how to be happier around the holidays that I, I love. Um and then the book will be out in August of this year, which is 2018. Uh, you can pre-order it, but you can wait until August as well. And then it's going to be hopefully in all the stores and everywhere everywhere you could possibly imagine a book to be sold. Well, awesome. And I know we're going to be having you on again closer to the time when the book launches. And I know that we'll all be looking forward to that as we delve deeper into some specific issues. But for now, yeah. So for now, though, I'd say I just loved having you on the show today. I think that you brought a lot of humor and honesty to this topic. And it wasn't, you certainly didn't feel like, you know, you had it all figured out. Everything was all easy (laughs) for you. So this is not a memoir, people. Yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because it's very hard to listen to that kind of thing when people are like, oh, somebody else has got it all perfect. And I'm just a disaster. Um, That is not the case. I loved your concepts of, you know, that you do need to put yourself first a lot of the time and that we need to make sure our kids know that our happiness matters. We might not have to spell it out, you know, all the time, but that there are times when we really need to be forthright about it, that our kids know that our happiness is important and that there are many things that we need to do to to feed our soul and that when we're happier, everybody's happier. So I think those are all very important concepts. Me too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so much fun to, it was so much fun to talk them out. I've spent a lot of time writing them. And now I'm I'm really enjoying getting the opportunity to just to talk about it. Yes. It's fun. I'm I'm so glad. And as I said, in reading your the the intro to your book, you just have such a beautiful way of explaining what was going on in your life and reading reading the minds of your readers. So I am just looking forward to reading the whole book. And I want to thank you for spending your the time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page or let's talk about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And KJ is on Twitter too. We'll be going back and forth. And I'm on Instagram now. So if you're on there, come on over, follow me. I just started with everything, but I put all the memes up there and quotes from people. And KJ certainly will be quoted in memes when this comes out. So come on over and take a look and share them. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes, rate and review it so other people can learn about these outstanding solutions, about KJ's ideas, and you can talk about it a little bit more and what really, really spoke to you uh, today in this podcast. I truly appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today. My fellow parents, leaders, and educators, thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there, show notes up there. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you know we all have those days. You've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not always easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over, and we need it. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet, sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. You really are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.